there is only one true way to be enlightened and entertained with the best sports knowledge. That way is the American way. Welcome to the American Way podcast. Here's your host, Amir. Assalamu alaikum and welcome everybody. Uh, I had a gr- we have a great show. Earlier today, I was uh, blessed. I was very blessed to be in the presence of one Megan Ryan. Megan's just awesome. She's been killing it, knocking it out of the park. She's been at the Star Tribune for several years. Uh, she's entering her first year covering the Twins on a daily basis past few years she's been covering uh, gophers football and gopher sports but she's been just killing it we had a great chat about how she approaches her her writing and just how she uh, how she attacks and addresses the inter the interwoven culture that sports has with so with the social issues and soci- our, our society it's just it was a beautiful conversation that i had with megan earlier so i just wanted to let you guys listen So, Megan, thank you so much for joining me on The American Way. I appreciate you coming on. Um, it's, a pl- it's a pleasure having finally getting you on. Yeah, so thank you so much for having me. Definitely. So, obviously, uh, I'm, I'm, first of all, I'm just curious how the adjustment to your new position covering the Twins has gone. I understand, obviously, I've, I've been following and respecting your work for a while, but I know you've, up till this year... You've been covering the Gophers, and now this is your first year covering the Twins, taking over for Lavelle. So I'm just curious how the spring training and the first couple of games have gone for you, getting into the groove of writing a new topic. Yeah, you know, it's been good. I think uh, I've only been on the beat, actually, officially for like two weeks or so, so um, it still feels pretty new. And it was a little tough you know, from the start, because I, I didn't go down to spring training because the timing just didn't work out with, um, when I was wrapping up my gopher's work. So I was kind of doing it all from afar, which was a little tough. But, you know, now that the regular season has started, um, I think the first game I'm going to get to cover in person is the home opener, and then I'll be taking that California swing of, uh, of, of road trips that they've got planned for, like, mid-April. So I'm super excited to start that, I think, once, you know, I'm there in person and and kind of getting into that groove of, of the schedule, it's going to be a lot easier. Um, yeah, and I'm just, you know, I'm just excited. But I feel like even though these last couple of weeks it's been kind of, you know, covering them from afar and doing a lot of Zooms, I still feel like I've done some stories I'm pretty proud of. Um, I really, I was really proud of my Kenta Maeda story, and I did that without ever seeing the guy in person. So, um, yeah, it's been, it's been a good transition. I'm just kind of excited to, to keep seeing it through. That's good, and I'm I'm glad it's gone smoothly. And moving on, like like you mentioned that Kent Kenta Maeda story, I I read it and I found it very phenomenal. So take me through, obviously, with with the way the pandemic has worked. Like you did it, mentioned you did it all from this from a distance. I'm curious just how that how that went went about, and how like 
what sort of links you had to. I know obviously you interviewed some people. Uh, uh, I can't remember if you interviewed people from Japan or like like there's different backgrounds of the story, like how in depth you went on him. I'm curious what lengths from a distance you took to to make sure you got all the details you needed. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't like it, I I had a bit of a time crunch on it, so I couldn't do like the definitive Kentamaya story, but. Um, for what it was, I was really proud of how it turned out. I mean, really the biggest part was just talking to Kenta. Um, and I did that over Zoom, and obviously there's a language barrier there because um, he speaks Japanese mostly, and I don't speak very much Japanese at all. Um, so, you know, we had a translator in the room, and I was there, uh, you know, talking to him. But I think really what made that story successful is not so much like having to, you know, dig through a bunch of stuff and figure out like who this guy is like it was pretty obvious like he's huge he's huge in japan and everybody loves him and he's got such a presence there so all it took was me really kind of doing some cursory google stuff to find that and then talking to him about it um and i think the interesting thing and maybe this is just a product of how weird last year was but um you know nobody had ever asked him questions about like what his life was like in japan or you know how he was able to find you know the japanese food that he loves to eat here in minnesota or just even in america in general so it was more a combination of me just kind of talking to him like a human being and asking him those kinds of questions i don't even think i asked him one question about baseball to be honest um <laughs> no sometimes that's how you get the best stories is when you are uh, asking people about who they are as a person instead of as an athlete. I agree, and I love those stories. I'll admit, just from afar and just trying to, me personally trying to get into the industry, and I read I read every every story I can get my hands on. I've just always been a great reader. I've, I've always found that the best. Like, I understand you, you want to, you like analysis of the game itself and how they think, but I really think the best way, me as a, as a person reading this, the content, or trying to under, uh, analyze how I would go about it is like you just said that when you talk to some you can get so much information without even talking about the sport that they play just getting to getting to interact with them on a, at a human level that's just you get the most uh, raw and natural stories yeah absolutely I mean that's the big joke that I uh, you know say all the time is I'm the non-sports sports reporter uh, because I write about sports, but like, do I, <laughs> or do I write about people who happen to play sports? So that's always been my philosophy is I try to look at, um, you know, these players, these coaches, these front office people, um, as the human beings that they are first and foremost. Um, because that's how, you know, if I were in their position, that's how I would like to be talked to. I would like to, you know, feel like people cared about who I was instead of just like, you know, what stats I had or how much money I made, um, or things like that. So, I always try to approach it with that, and I think um, it really helps, you know, it, at least for me, it's helped me gain a lot of relationships with these kinds of guys and, uh, you know, tell their story in, I think, a really accurate and honest way. Well, yeah, I, th- I agree with you. I think it's, it's, it's the best. I think a lot, of peop- a lot of people in the industry, like, they're great, they're great writers, and you have a lot of great storytellers. I think the best sport- storytellers are ones who approach it the way you do. I think, obviously, at some point, for, to a certain extent, you need to uh, you need to let the readers know about the information that they're that they're being given about like the what's the events that are taking place, but I think th- the best stories that are being told uh, about sports 
are just about those human re- uh, interactions. Yep, so, definitely. Very true. So of all the people that you've been able to write stories on uh, recently, uh, just what's your what do you think is your favorite story? I know it's it's a it's I know it's a very uh it's a broad question, but just of of the interactions that you've been able to have and profiles you've been able to cover, which what 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 stands out to you? I mean, there's a there's a couple stories that I've been really proud of throughout my career. Um, I mean, I think the one of the ones that stands out really is this Tyler Johnson story I wrote, which was I guess two years ago at this point. It was ahead of the 2019 season, um, and I like that story because you know. I, I have known that I wanted to do that story before I even knew I was going to be on the Gopher's beat. It was just something that stood out to me for a long time that, you know, here's this Minneapolis guy. He's from here. Um, he's from North, which is a place that has a certain, like, stereotype about it, um, you know, that people see it in a certain way. But mm-hmm. he sees it in a very different way, and he's from there. I mean, he grew up there. He, he's, he's so passionate about it. He talks about it all the time, how much he loved it there. Um, and what a community is. And so I know that it's been written about before that he's from North and is such a role model and all of that, but nobody had ever actually bothered to go to North with him and see it from his eyes. Like, what is it about this place that he finds, you know, so much at home with? Um, and, and how is that different than like your average Minnesota who probably thinks of it as like, you know, this gang riddled, um, dangerous, slum I guess for lack of a better term you know it, it it's not like that um and it's certainly not like that for him and so I I spent a, you know a day with him kind of hanging around North Minneapolis he, he kind of told me different places he you know grew up or, or where he would hang out with his friends and you know the football field and all this stuff and then I I went back several times just on my own um to make sure that I was getting the right feel of what that community is like and so I was really proud of that story because it told not only you know his story of Tyler Johnson, great football player from North Minneapolis, but it told the story of a community that um, had felt misunderstood for a really long time. And so that was important to me that I got to shed a light of what they feel like their community is like instead of what you know other people might think their community is like. So that was one of the ones that I was really proud of. To this day, I'm still really proud of it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm proud of honestly the Pentamaeda story I just wrote like I wouldn't say it's my like best piece of writing I've ever done but I think I liked it because um you know I think there's a lot of people that when there's a language barrier or whatever it's like I don't know they think that it's impossible to ever do a story about those people um because like you you lose so much in translation but I was able to do it fine and I mean, part of it is maybe because I am Japanese, so like we had some things in common, and, and you know, he could say different Japanese food, and I know what he was talking about. He didn't have to explain it. Like maybe that's just why we, we were able to build a rapport. But um, you know, it's important for me to pe- for for me to always be giving everybody like an equal opportunity, right? Like just because I don't speak fluent Japanese doesn't mean I'm never going to write like an interesting story about Kenta Maeda. And it goes for the same way with the Latin guys on the team. Like I really hope that. You know, they can one day see that I I want to tell their story, and it doesn't matter to me that you know I don't quite speak their language or they don't quite speak my language. Like we'll find a way to communicate, and I'll find a way to like tell their story um, in a way that feels right to them. So uh, that was one I was really proud of. Um, 
and then I don't know I just there's been a lot of stories I've been really proud of I think every time I do a profile story on a person um I I have a lot of appreciation for 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 doing that because it takes a lot of trust for somebody to tell you their story because they're they're putting it in your hands to do it the right way um and to tell it in a way that feels truthful to them and so I don't take that that responsibility lightly and I always try to make sure that if they're going to trust me enough to be vulnerable or to share certain things about their life that I make sure that you know I'm, I'm treating it with the care that it deserves so you know every time I, I get to sit down with somebody and, and hear about their life and, and their family and their hopes and dreams and stuff I think it, it's really special to me because that's I mean those are the stories that that I love to do and I hope I can continue to do for a very long time well, I appreciate that I appreciate that you're you're able to approach your uh, your work in that way, and that that you that you you the way the way you do it. It just sounds. I appreciate you sharing your your thoughts on that. It just sounds so beautiful, like that the story, like because I've read all your stories, so I appreciate just the way how you approach it. Uh, I I think it's I, I think it's really great just how how you are able to do that with uh, when you talk to people. Four stories, just how you're, even if you don't necessarily know their entire background going in, just your ability to immerse yourself into them and try to relate to them and try and tell their story. That's what I appreciate. Yeah, I mean, I think the way that I always characterize it is you just lead with empathy. Um, Every time you go into a conversation with somebody, you should try to be empathetic. And what that means for me is like, you know, whether it's, you know, some long sit down interview where they're going to tell me their whole life story, or even if it's just post game and they played really bad and the team lost, I always try to lead with empathy first. So um, when I ask questions, I'm not trying to like, you know, I, I know what it can feel like if, if I had to do their job, like, let's say I'm a journalist and for some reason, like every story I wrote, I then had to do a press conference about the story and how it turned out. And like, imagine writing a story you weren't super proud of, or like you made a mistake in it for whatever reason, and then having all these people ask you, well, why'd you make that mistake? Like, oof, was that, that's, that's really bad. Like, you know, that story wasn't as good as it could have been because you had this huge error in it. Blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, that would suck. <laughs> so I yeah. can how hard their job is to be on a big platform and, and to have people view you a certain way and to know that every mistake you make is kind of blown up into this big thing. So I try to lead with empathy when I ask them about those things. Um, and then it's the same way with, with their life story. Like, you know, if they're going to try to tell me about, you know, some, some hard thing in their past, whether it be like maybe, you know, they had a parent that passed away or maybe they, you know, tested positive for PEDs or something. Like, if I'm going to ask them about that stuff, I want them to know that, like, I'm not doing it as a judgment or a criticism or anything or, you know, to feel sorry for them. Like, it, it truly is just I want to understand from their point of view what that was like for them. So that's kind of my biggest advice, I think, for anybody who gets into journalism, sports or otherwise, is that you should always be leading with empathy first. Um, and the more that you do that, I think the, the better stories you're going you're gonna to write. Absolutely. I think, I, think, I think everyone should be going that direction. I know unfortunately there's some that don't i'm curious do you, uh, on your uh, your interaction with the the media industry the sports media industry do you find that a lot of people are taking that route or do you find that more pe- more uh, journalists need to do a better job 
of leading with, with empathy. I'm, I'm just curious to get get, get what uh, your thoughts on that, like just from a l- large scale lens. Well, I I don't think that there's not many journalists that are outwardly malicious. Like you know, I think maybe there's if you're saying like well. You either believe with empathy or you don't. I think there's that's not quite true. There's some middle ground, right? Like, no, of course, of you, course. So I don't, I don't know. Like, there's not a lot of journalists that I've met, that, like personally and, and interact with, that I think have been, you know, trying to be too hard or trying to like, you know, get a sensational story. I think people mostly try to, um, you know, do the job in the right way. But what I would say is that there are, especially in sports journalism, I think that there's there's this stereotype of of what it means to be a sports journalist. Um, And that partly is, is because it's been the same kind of people that have been doing the job for the longest time, right? Like it's been white men. So um, for them, it's like, they feel like they have to have this huge buildup of institutional sports knowledge and they have to know everything about the game and they have to prove to the coach or the player or whoever they're talking to that they know what they're talking about and they know about the game and they know all the rules and you know when you when you did this and this play like this is what would have happened from it like you know like there's a lot of that um and so I think that's something that that I wish more sports reporters would let go of because unless you're like writing for an analytical site or like you know you're doing data analysis which there are some people there's some fans that really love that and there is like a niche for that if that's what you want to do but like you're a newspaper reporter or like a general broadcast like tv reporter like you can you're not going to be getting into those fine details in the paper because people don't understand like for me i write for a general audience um so i have to write for the diehard twins fans but also for the casual newspaper reader who might just kind of glance at my story but say oh i kind of want to finish reading this so i think that that that's probably more of what it is is there there needs to be more people that um don't approach it as sports first um which i know is hard and honestly there's probably a lot of people that disagree with me which is fine um you know i i think that my way of telling sports stories is really successful but it's also unique and it's different and not a lot of people do it so not everybody likes it um but you know from my perspective i just think that there's there are so many rich stories um that that come out in sports uh like you know there's societal issues there's gender issues there's race issues like all of these things happen in sports um and then the beauty of that is that there are fans of sports that are from all different backgrounds and their circumstances and life experiences like there's so much that you can write about through the lens of sports and you can reach such a broad audience um like the example i always use is like lebron james if lebron james opens a school people are going to care and they're going to read about it but if joe schmo over here opens a school uh, probably not as many people are going to you know be interested in that and so that's what I want, I would love to see more journalists doing is, is finding those kinds of stories in sports and thinking about it from that perspective instead of like, oh, here's what they did on the field. Um, so I'm hopeful that, you know, we've, we've got a, a new generation of sports reporters coming up every day. Um, you know, a lot of them are from more diverse backgrounds than, than there have been before. And so I'm really hopeful that we're going to have you know, more stories like that and more people looking at it like that instead of like, you know, this is just sports and it's all about the stats and the entertainment and nothing else. I am too. I'm hopeful of that too. I know 
there are a lot of other people who have come in like yourself and done that. I mean, I I think I agree with you that I think sports it's it's the intersection of all that all that uh, intertwines society, like you mentioned, like racial uh, racial uh, topics, gender topics, just all societal issues. They can be interwoven into sports uh, in one way or the other. So it's our duty to sort of capture that if it makes it, if it's going to impact uh, everybody and it's going to we need to, uh, to shine the light on just how, the, the intersection of it all I think the more stories about like you said the more stories about that that's that's sort of what we need uh, th- this new generation of, of storytellers that are coming in like yourself is uh, is doing a good job of of, of being aware of the intersection intersection of sports in with culture yeah definitely so we'll see hopefully hopefully it comes about we'll see i know it's difficult transition from large like culture uh intersection and sports and the grandiose into just yesterday but i'm just curious really quick what your thoughts were on on yesterday i mean like the first game like it was it was a good game most of the game and it, it didn't end well but I thought it was there were some good signs like I'm just curious what your your quick observations were. Yeah, you know it was interesting. I think it was it was kind of a bummer that you know the Twins weren't able to hold on to that lead and obviously went to you know extra innings and then of course uh, the the Brewers ended up ended up pulling that one out in the extra innings. But you know I think there was good and bad. Um, I was. I mean, one of the good things was, like, Kepler um, was able to get some hits, which was really kind of funny because, you know, all spring training, it, it was just a struggle at the plate for a lot of a lot of the Twins, and especially for Kepler. Of course. I think he went, like, 30-something um, plate appearances without having a hit uh, during March So at spring training, so that was kind of rough. But, you know, then he, he was able to kind of put it together, which is funny that, uh, you know, he did that because I think there was – there was a lot of talk we kept asking during spring training like oh you guys worried that like you're not hitting great you're not batting great um and they were like nope once the season starts it'll be fine like you know we'll turn it on and then they did so that was kind of funny uh, um i guess they do know something a little bit more about sports than than we do or at least certainly than i do because i've never played so um that was really funny uh and that was a positive light i think one of the hard things though and what stood out to me most was was how kent and maeda pitched um, he just didn't seem to have a lot of command, and that wasn't something that really we had seen in spring training. He looked really, really good, um, you know, th- through all his starts then. So that was really interesting that he just didn't seem to have the command. Like he was hitting, he was like hitting Kristen Yelich and like <laughs> all sorts of things. He was loading the bases, he walked or run in. Like all of that was pretty um, unexpected, especially for someone that, you know, was so steady last season albeit in a shortened season but you know finished second in the Cy Young voting so that was a bit of a rocky start for him um and I just I don't really know if that was the pressure of being named like opening day starter and like the kind of expectation that comes with that and having to be the ace so I mean it's one game I'm not going to draw a lot of conclusions from it um because one game in 162 is just of course <laughs> like, it's I don't, like nothing but I don't um, I don't think anyone we'll see. I don't think anyone's making like a like I personally am not overreacting to yesterday. Just, just interesting, just observations that we see from the first game, of course. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, they've got an off day today. Maybe they'll regroup and then we'll kind of see how they finish out this, uh, these road series here. Definitely. I know this is a really large question to, to close this out, but like, what are your long-term goals for what you want to get through through your, through your story, stories? Like, uh, maybe, you don't, maybe you don't even know this now. I'm just curious. Just because I've, I've followed you from afar. Just I'm, cu- I'm curious what your long-term uh, ambitions of how you want to use your storytelling abilities uh, going forward. Like... Yeah, that is a very interesting question. Um, you know, I think that the reason that I, I chose journalism and sports journalism, I guess there's a couple of like twofold answers to that. Like part of it is that I I want to, I think of my job and, and what I do as like an act of service. Um, so, and there's a couple of constituents, I guess, that kind of are involved in that. Like, for one, it's an act of service to the people that read my stories. Um, you know, I want them to feel like they learned something new or that, you know, their eyes were open to something. Or maybe they were just simply, like, like entertained. Like, maybe they just had a good time while they were reading the story. Like, I, I always think of it as I'm delivering um, a product or something to these readers that I might never meet, um, but maybe it'll impact their life in a small way. And it could just be like, you know, that they read it and, and it was a funny story and it made them smile and then they were having a bad day. It could be as small as that, or it could be something where, you know, I wrote about some bigger issues, like, you know, the story I wrote about um, the Gophers coaching um, ranks and, and how they were all white until they just hired their, their new basketball coach. So maybe maybe it affected their life in that way. They were, they like, you know what? Like that's, I never thought about it like that, but you're right. Like there is something wrong. And I, I want to become more involved in these issues. I want to make sure that where I work in my company, that we're, we're thinking about making diverse hires and, and giving people opportunities that are from different backgrounds. So, you know, I, I think of it that way. I would love to continue to make a difference in people's lives. Um, however, you know, big or small that might be. Um, and then I think too, I, I think of it as, as an act of service for the people that I'm covering. Um, you know, I don't get paid by the twins or by Kenta Maeda or by anybody to write stories about them, but um, I do know that I can't do my job without them. Um, you know, just like I, I, I think of it as they can't do their job without me. I think maybe they'd like to think of it, but um, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm the conduit for how they speak to their fans. Um, and I have the talent to be able to do that in an interesting and different way, right? Um, because if right. I tell a story about Kenta Maeda, you know, it's going to be different than, you know, even he could tell his own story. That's, that's, I think that's the biggest thing that, um, you know, some athletes realize is that they have a really cool story, but they might not even recognize it or realize it um, or realize how giving that story to the right person can make it, you know, great or make it really just interesting um, and affect a lot of people so I think of it that way too like I want to make sure that every athlete or every person that I'm talking to and and writing their story that they are feeling like um, I'm taking care of it and that I that I care about them I care about how the story turns out I care that that you know they're presented in a way that is honest it might not always be nice because not everybody's life is perfect nobody's life is perfect that we all have things that we maybe would rather not you know be in our our life story but like 
I want them to make sure that the, you know that they feel that I'm treating it with respect and and with understanding and empathy. So, you know, I guess I I just think of it that way. The things that I want to achieve in my writing are just to continue to affect people's lives in a hopefully positive manner. Um, there's a lot of like negative stuff out there, and there's a lot of hard stuff out there. I'm never going to shy away from writing about things that are tough. Um, of course not. And I'm never going to shy away from, uh, you know, doing the job that maybe other people don't want to do. But I'll keep writing about diversity issues. I'll keep writing about funny things, entertaining things, sports things, non-sports things. But I think I, I just want to, if I had to distill it down, it would just be I would like to continue to affect people, you know, impact people's lives in a good way. Um and if I could continue to do that for, you know, however many more years, that would be a successful career to me. Of course, that's great. And actually, while you were just talking, I just, I almost forgot about that, that article. That, that article was brilliant. It was gold about the gophers and diversity. And I, I guess we'll never know for sure, but I very, I'm, I've been thinking, even though he's a, I love him to hire, uh, I, I wonder if your article had something to do with their line of thinking. When, when making the hiring in the hiring process, I really do. I will never know the full answer, but just the impact of your writing and how you're able to uh, to tell it as it is, I do think it may have affected the Gophers hiring process for uh, their basketball coach. So I, I had yeah. almost I had almost forgotten about that. that. That that was a brilliant story, the way you told it. Thanks. Yeah. Well, you know, I think the thing with that story, which is tough, is like I have had a couple of people ask me like, oh, like you know, your story totally, like, changed their mind, and, like, they, you know, you got them to hire a person of color, and that's what a great impact that is, and, like, it's a little hard for me to, like, say that, because I think as any journalist, it's, like, we don't want to be the story, it's not about me, like, I didn't write that story just so everybody could pat me on the back and be, like, well, look, you got them to hire a person of color. No, no, but, but I, but I, no, 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 but I think it probably put, like, it put it in the, it put it in the spotlight. So I'll explain it. Um, I think that yes, it did in the at the end have an impact on how they hired, but I don't think it was necessarily the the way that I that I would have liked it, or that anybody who really champions and and appreciates diversity and inclusion would like it to be. I think in a way it no. it it forced them into it, right? Because when you have a story that's on the front page, stripped across, like right under the masthead story about how all of your leadership is white and then it also says that you're like in the process of going to be hiring a new coach very soon if you don't make a hire as a per- like, that's a person of color for that job it looks like you deliberately are not doing it and especially when you look back at the story that we wrote in 2017 by my colleague marcus fuller um he wrote a very similar story to the one i wrote which is that yeah like, all of these people are white and they went on to make half a dozen hires and they were all white. So it's like they're, they hadn't made a change before when we had called it out. And now it's like, here's the second time we're doing it again on the front page. And, and we're also in this new time after what happened to George Floyd, where there's this renewed interest and call, um, you know, for racial equity. And so they had to do it. Um, now, do I wish, do, I don't, I can't tell you like, you know, if, if they really did all of a sudden they read that story and they, they had a huge change of heart and realized their error of their ways, I'm not really so sure that that happened. I think it's more so that they were kind of forced into it. And, and the real 
the real championship of diversity or the real moment that you're going to know it was success is when people don't feel like they're being forced into it or like they had to do it. Like they're just going to do it because they want to and because they know it's the right thing. So I'm not going to say like, I'm not happy that they hired a person of color. I am. And whatever way that you get to that point is, is kind of a win at this, at this rate, um, because we're still just in such the beginning early stages of it. But I am very hopeful that one day it won't have to be that, you know, people like me have to, you know, wag, wag our fingers, or we have to do all this huge research in order to prove that like, you know, this is a problem and, and you guys are in the minority of, 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 you know, not having enough people of color in your staff. So one, one day, I hope it will get to that point. But um, for right now, I'm, I'm going to call it a win. I don't necessarily think it was all because of me. I think there's many people that have been fighting for this cause with the Gophers and elsewhere for a very long time. But um, yeah, I, I hope it was a start at the very least. Me too. I hope we'll get to that point one day. And I, I want to clarify not to put, not to put you on the spot. Like I didn't mean to make you feel awkward. I, either way, I feel like Ben is a great hire. I feel like he's he's earned his dues. He's a qualified hire. So I didn't want to put you on the spot to make make you feel uncomfortable. Just just to clarify, I think no, either fine. either way, he's a great, a great hire. I, I just I, I think so too. I I just thought I guess more just so that it was just a coincidence that this all happened just in the order that happened. And I agree with you. I think we, hopefully we can come to some day where we can get more diverse a more diverse process. Without the need for uh, without the need for call from uh, from pu- uh, from public support, if if it, if we get to that point, that's that's my wish. So, I, and I guess I didn't mean to put you on the spot per se, but just, just I just thought it was I just thought it was interesting. Yeah, no, it is interesting. I think he's going to be a great hire. Honestly, like it 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 really pleased me that not only was he a person of color, but that he is younger, that he has never been a head coach before. There's a lot of people that say those things that, um, you know, you can't be a head coach if you if you've never been a head coach before, and I'm, you know, if you're too young. But like, I mean, look at what Juwan Howard's doing at Michigan. Like, of course, you know, think that went okay for him never having head coaching experience. So I was really happy that that you know not only did they just hire a person of color to say they hired a person of color, I think they hired someone who's going to be really successful. He's going to be able to connect with Minnesota, you know, basket, the Minnesota basketball community and these these really talented kids that are coming out of the state but maybe didn't feel like they could connect with their home state program. So I'm excited to see what he does. I I, I really am, am loving the hire. So I, I, I hope that he is really successful and I'll, I'll continue to watch his career and see how that goes for him. Oh, definitely me too. I think, I hope that he has success. I think, I think it's his time. I think I really did. I think, it's, I thought it was his time to earn this shot. And I think, See already just, just hit that he's an he's an alum, so he already ha- has an inherent uh, passion, inherent passion for the program, and just his connection, his all his tentacles in the Minnesota uh, in the Twin Cities hoop scene. I felt, I I felt one way or the other. Just I I was I'm not gonna lie and say that I expected it from the beginning, of of how things were gonna play out, but I think it's really great. I think I think it's gonna be really great for this program. And I th- yeah, and, I th- sure. and also like like you said like what's interesting is like f- four or five years ago there were not many uh, I don't know if there were any maybe there was one uh, di- one uh, one mi- one uh, minority head coach in the Big Ten now we have four I have four I have obviously Ben and Juwan and then Indiana just hired Mike Woodson and 
you have a, a Penn State. They hired the former Purdue assistant. So I think what, what one way or the other, whether it was forced or whether uh, I guess I will never. Uh, I don't know the process for these hiring practices, but I think it's a good it's a good progress. Every every inch of movement is good, so <laughs> we'll just see where the future goes. Definitely, well, Megan, I appreciate your time. Uh, I I, pre- I appreciate all that you do, and I thank you so much for coming on. We'll have have to do this again sometime. Thank you so much. Absolutely, thank you so much for having me. Definitely. Okay, so I stopped recording. I stopped recording on the phone, so just, but I didn't want to, I wanted to just create, make some closure, so thank you so, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for, for having me on. I just want to thank Megan again so much for spending some time with, spending some time with me this morning. Uh, again, just, Megan's just awesome. What, how she writes for the Star Tribune and just the, the, the topics and the story, the stories she's able to just tell, they're just remarkable. So I was really glad that Megan was able to spend some time with me earlier today. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll be back with more content, more uh, interviews and stories to share. Have a nice, have a nice evening. Salam alaikum.